Welcome to Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do. That we do. And this week we're back on our MCU kick. That's right. We are moving on from Iron Man and on to probably one of the least liked Marvel movies, The Incredible Hulk, released in 2008. Which is interesting because I think even Marvel wants to let this one go away. Uh, yeah, we tried to watch it on Disney+, Plus, which I could have sworn to God I watched it at some point on Disney+, Plus, but we looked for it and it wasn't there. <laughs> and they have everything else, just not this. I guess it's because Edward Norton isn't in the role anymore. and is. I guess, but it is technically still in the MCU. Technically, this Hulk is the same Hulk as Mark Ruffalo Hulk. Hulk, Hulk, Hulk. Have I said Hulk enough in this one sentence? Don't worry, I'll say it many more times. Brother. <laughs> oh, no. No, not that Hulk. <laughs> It's really funny, though. I forgot a lot about this movie, like, details of certain things. So, like, at one point, there is a big fight scene at a university, and the the news is, like, interviewing these college kids who witnessed it, and they're like, oh, yeah, it, he was, like, this big green guy. He looked like a, a Hulk. And I'm like, that's not a thing people would say in 2008. <laughs> like, no. And then that's how he gets his name, the Hulk. And it's like... All right. Uh, okay. <laughs> so this came after the Eric Bana one. In 2003, which was bad. Bad, which, bad, bad. Which I remember being very boring. Yes. That That's the big thing about it is I remember being very bored. Yes. And in, certainly in the casting of Eric Bana, boring, bland, white guy McGee didn't help with that. But <laughs> I'm I, sure. But I think Lou Ferrigno... The original Hulk plays a security guard in that one as well as this one. Well, oddly enough, for those of you who don't know, who are living under a rock in 2008, Edward Norton stars as the Hulk in this picture. But in the 2003 Ang Lee version of the Hulk, which isn't part of the MCU, Eric Bana played the role of Bruce Banner. And before this movie got kicked off, they asked him to come back and reprise his role. And he turned it down, thankfully. Probably because he realized, I got way too much shit for that movie. And I don't want any of it <laughs> anymore. And, and, and the sad part is, he, he ended up just choosing the wrong Hulk movie. Because I honestly think, even though Norton is no longer the Hulk because of his own fucking ego. Oh, we'll get there. I still think... He could have done well if this role had continued for him. You know what? It's so funny. We were just talking about this before we started recording. Before this movie, I had it rated as a 2 on Letterboxd. And I, I still don't think I like it. I, I don't like it. But I also don't hate it. I actually ended up bumping it up a little bit in my rating because I, I had I had some more appreciation for the decent things in the movie. I feel like maybe the last time I watched it, which was like, I think a couple years ago was the first time I ever watched this movie. And I think I just had the, the thought in my head that it was going to be bad. So I just focused on all the bad aspects of it. And I didn't really give anything potentially good a chance to like permeate my brain. It's not all bad. 
I think I still think Edward Norton was the wrong choice for the character, but I don't think he did terribly. No, he's not the right choice for the brainy Bruce Banner kind of character. Mm-hmm. He comes off as a douche the whole movie, pretty much. He does. You don't believe he's like a like a real brilliant scientist, genius. Like you believe that like maybe he's a science teacher for like seventh graders, like that I could buy. But yeah, you don't see him as like a genius, brilliant scientist like, like no i don't is, get that vibe and, and it's so hard now because ruffalo has nailed the role oh absolutely that going back and watching norans it's like but you're not that guy yeah i remember because when i had seen the avengers in theaters i again had never seen the edward norton version of the hulk so I was just going off of Ruffalo's version, and obviously it was, it's far superior, but I remember after the Avengers came out, everyone was like, where's our Hulk movie with Ruffalo? We want a Hulk movie with Ruffalo. And we didn't get it, obviously. I don't know. Maybe we will someday, but well, I know we're getting She-Hulk, yes, like a TV show. Yes, we are getting She-Hulk. I'm assuming he'll show up in that at some point. Well, I think he is showing up in that. I think he's confirmed for that. Okay. Uh, but I think the reason they don't want to do another Hulk movie is because the Hulk character is much better served as a foil to somebody else. Like, putting him up against Wolverine is a great thing. Putting him up against Iron Man is a great thing. The Hulk by himself, his villains are just kind of other versions of Hulks. Right, okay, that I, I get what you're saying. So it's kind of hard to go oh, let's build this big movie without it looking like a CGI mess at the end because it's just Hulk on Hulk action. Maybe there's a way for them to do that where they kind of have the best of both worlds where they maybe have a more scaled down, like down-to-earth Hulk movie where we get to like flesh out his character a little bit and then maybe towards like the second, third act of that movie... You know, some other hero comes into play, like a very, you know, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man situation where, you know, someone comes in and be like, we need your help, Bruce. And then, you know, they go fight the big bad. So we kind of get action fun with Hulk, but also character building stuff. Because rewatching this movie, I did see like glimmers of what they wanted to do with the Hulk down the road. And I'm like, ooh, like, let's dive into that with Ruffalo. (laughs) I always thought... And I think Ragnarok tried slowly to touch upon it is Planet Hulk, which if you haven't seen the animated Planet Hulk, go see it. It's great. I think it's honestly for free on YouTube. I might be wrong, but you can probably find it somewhere very easily. It's it's always somewhere streaming. But yeah, there's so much there. And I've always wanted them to go from there to do World War Hulk, which is a comic series where the Hulk, after taking over the planet, comes back to Earth to basically wreck shit. So does he turn bad? He, well, he, he's still angry, the fact that he was kicked off his home planet. Right, uh, that's, yeah. But I find it odd that, like, Iron Man came out in May of 2008, and this movie came out in June of 2008. <laughs> so, like, literally one after the other. Well, you can clearly still see that Marvel didn't have its footing yet. They knew they just didn't want to be Ang Lee's Hulk, but they didn't have the formula yet to really create that perfect movie. Well, I think a lot of it, too, is what you were saying about the character of Hulk. It's hard to make a movie 
about him because he's basically two characters in one and it's they're both very different characters obviously but they're also the same person it's very complicated and probably norton and his you know fuckery during the movie and just the fact that it wasn't the best casting decision didn't help matters also i'm sure they had to constantly turn up Liv tyler's volume on set because she whisper talks the entire movie but i digress this movie was directed by Louis Leterrier, but he directed such classics as Transporter 1, Transporter 2, and The Brothers Grimsby. Remember the 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 Sasha Baron Cohen one with oh, the guy from Kingsman? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah that's this guy. Yay. I have never seen the Transporter series. Oh, I would have thought that you would because like that's fucking what's his face, right? Statham. Yeah. It's one of the ones I haven't seen. Of I, course. You brag, literally brag all the time that like you've seen all the rock movies except one. Uh, you see all these fucking Fast and Furious movies. I would have just assumed that you've seen Transporter classics. Hey, even if I haven't seen them, I don't know if they're classics or anything like that. Have you seen Crank? That's the other one that he does, right? I didn't enjoy Crank. Like, I just remember the trailer for that movie and Jason Statham fucking Amy Smart in, like, the middle of a fucking, well, like, parking lot or something. Crank is such a f- fucking shit show. Sorry, I had the sidebar. We're, who cares? I mean, it's the fucking Hulk. Exactly. <laughs> it's just, it's so frantic and so crazy. The editing's all over the place. And you feel like, because they're trying to get a sense of, he has to do all this crazy shit to keep his heart beating. Yeah. Like, he's got to keep his adrenaline going. Uh-huh. That's the whole point of the, like, the story, I, but it yeah. causes the editing to be kind of crazy. Right. Oh, the editing in this is kind of weird, too, oddly enough. But also, I just remember that trailer just being feeling very sweaty, if that makes sense. Yes. The trailer, I, I've seen the trailer, and I just, it looked sweaty <laughs> and gross. It looked like it smelled like all of the B.O., um, and if anyone was wondering, just in case, because we threw in that little tidbit, the one Dwayne The Rock Johnson movie that Scott hasn't seen is, I believe, San Andreas. Yes, you are correct. I'm not watching that, so if you want to do that, dear, you can just handle that all by yourself. I've waited this long. I'll get to it at some point. Oh, God. The anticipation is just looming over us all. The anticipation. I was going to do that, but then I'm like, eh, I, I won't deliver it well because I'm not the great Tim Curry. No. Anyway, this movie was written by Zach Penn, who was a writer again on such classics as the Inspector Gadget movie. Oof. Remember Matthew Broderick? Oof. It wasn't that great. Um, Electra. Oof. Ready Player One. And we're going to watch this at some point because it's coming out on streaming soon. Uh, the newer Ryan Reynolds film, Free Guy, he is a writer on. But um, fun fact, Edward Norton had substantial rewrites on the script but was denied writing credit, which is why I'm sure he was in a great humor during the filming of this. <laughs> but also, I mean, this is a pretty low-rated uh, MCU film. We got a 67% critics rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which, I mean, I feel like people only, you know, when they think about MCU movies, they focus a lot on the good ones, you know, Endgame, Spider-Man, obviously, No Way Home is getting a lot of love right now, but there, there have been plenty of bad MCU movies. 
not just the newer ones because i mean i just talked about i think last week how eternals was ridiculous but there's also you know the thor sequel even the first thor i didn't love to be honest with you yeah sometimes you get weird and you get a home run like guardians and then sometimes you get weird and you get captain marvel oh god captain marvel fuck captain marvel i know i'm an anti-feminist because i hate captain marvel Put women back in the kitchen barefoot making sandwiches because I hated Captain Marvel. Also, the the shittiness of this movie was reflected in the box office because even though this is the second MCU film, technically, it is the lowest grossing MCU film to date with a measly $264 million. Oh, just $264. <laughs> against its $150 million budget. And then one last fun fact before we get into the nitty and the gritty. The score of this movie, which I actually did pay attention to this time due to my little research note here. I, I thought the score was pretty damn good, actually, apart. So there were like a lot of emotional, swelly musical moments, which were really yes. nice. The composer was a guy by the name of Craig Armstrong, who did the score for another movie that we talked about. A movie that I love and Scott hates. Mulan You bastard. Me? No. Craig oh, Armstrong. Craig Armstrong? Well, fuck you. Malone Rouge is good. It was nominated for a Best Picture Oscar, Scott. Let me ask you something. Was Resident Evil nominated for Best Picture? No. Was Lara Croft Tomb Raider nominated for Best Picture? No. Oh, fine. Be that way. I fucking will. So, are you ready to get into the nitty gritty? Yes, let's get into the nitty and the gritty. We start with the longest intro in a movie. Uh, yeah, the thing is, the opening credits of the movie are pretty insanely ridiculous. Mainly because of the editing and just the, the visuals. It's like, if you just watch like the first five minutes of this movie, you think, oh my god, this is going to be a nightmare. For the first little chunk, it starts off like you think you're watching like a color graded version of House. <laughs> like it's just, it opens up like the House opening credit sequence, and then it literally just goes into while we're still doing opening credits the quickest yet also longest backstory introduction ever in life. So basically, in this opening credit sequence, we basically learn in a snap that Bruce was a scientist and something went wrong in an experiment. We don't know what, but we're just watching the Hulk movie. What could have gone wrong? So something went wrong and he injured his girlfriend, Betty, who's played by Liv Tyler. Her father was very angry. Yes, her father is General Ross, who has shown up in other MCU movies. It's the only one to show up in other MCU He's movies. He's a fucking cunt, well, but we're going to talk about that. Sorry, correction was the only one to show up in MCU movies until Shang-Chi. Oh, yes, yes, we're going to get there. So basically, the opening credit sequence ends with General Ross, who is Betty's father, being like to Bruce Banner, you're a fugitive from the army. You're property of the army because whatever you did to your fucking self fucked it up. We we own you, the fucking army. And then Bruce goes on the run. And he's been on the run for, like, years, I think. The point is, he's in Brazil now. He works at a soda company's bottling factory in Brazil. 
and he is learning these uh, martial arts from this random shirtless man and breathing techniques to ward off his anger, which is apparently a trigger for his quote-unquote transformations, it, you it, see. It looks so weird, because as he's doing this training, the guy who's trying to teach him his breathing technique is, like, sucking in his stomach all the way. Yeah, it's really gross. Looking, but it just looks weird. It's clearly an impressive feat to be able to do that, but it's like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, it just looked weird. And yeah, he works at this soda bottling plant where he also fixes the soda machine. Oh yeah, they thing. do this they do this like tropey thing that they do with characters who like an, a misunderstood genius, you know? He's doing a, a manual labor job, but for whatever reason he can figure out like the mechanics of shit and like the boss goes up to him and is like you're, you've been helping me out here at the factory so much. You don't belong doing manual labor. You're too good for this. It's like, okay, we get it. <laughs> like, you're so smart. <laughs> but, of course, he cuts himself. And blood drops down onto what he thinks is only the platform. So he's like, oh, phew, okay. But some blood gets into a bottle. And it's drunk by Stan Lee, who dies immediately. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so... That was a funny cameo, I gotta admit. So because something happened in this experiment, he was poisoned with gamma radiation, right? So the gamma radiation's in his blood. So when the blood goes in the bottle, old Stanley, poor thing, he drinks it. And it's a big fucking deal. And the army catches on. They're like, where was this bottle? Where did it come from? And they're like, Brazil. And they're like, we must go to Brazil to get Bruce Banner. During all of this, Bruce is also trying to find a cure for his radiation poisoning essentially he's um over the intranet corresponding with this guy who has the alias of mr blue uh he met him online and he's like going back and forth with him trying to figure out like what to do like he sends him a blood sample at one point to try and figure out you know and the guy texts back basically and he's like i need more data i need to understand more and he's like bitch i'm in bumble fuck like i can't <laughs> what do you want me to do all my data is at my home and i can't go there well this is the thing about this movie so i know we've just thrown a ton at you and it's because the movie's throwing it at you. We haven't seen the... Well, we we saw the outline of the Hulk. We haven't really seen the Hulk yet. I don't know why they didn't make this. I mean, maybe because of the movie in 2003, they didn't want to do, like, an origin story. Maybe it was very much a Spider-Man versus Amazing Spider-Man situation where they killed Uncle Ben in, like, two seconds in Amazing Spider-Man because, like, hey... Listen, we already know about all that stuff from the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, so we're not going to waste your time with all that shit. Well, as you said, though, also, they did offer Eric Banner the role to come right. back. Right, so, I yeah, I get that. So... That's just, like, I don't know. Because mm, then what would they... Would they have made the Ang Lee one part of the MCU? I, well, if Eric Banner was coming back to reprise the role, I assume so. That would have been horrifying. Oh, my God. It kind of sucks because it feels like we are just kind of being thrown into the middle of something and that isn't what we thought it was. But sometimes that's good. But sometimes you feel like there's no time to breathe. Like, we've now introduced, again, we've already met Bruce. We just know he's really smart and can fix machines. He's fucking uh, Donatello from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, my God. We kind of met Betty. We kind of met Thunderbolt Ross. Now we got Mr. Blue. 
these hoodlum characters. Oh, we're about to get one more. Fucking uh, our, our soon-to-be other villain of the movie. So uh, General Ross is going to track down Bruce in Brazil. And he sends for this special ops guy, Emil Blonsky, played by Tim Roth, who... Scott explained to me that he's supposed to be British, but to me, throughout the movie, it felt like he was starting with a British accent, but then going back to American and kind of like switching back. Like, I didn't know if he was supposed to be British or if he was supposed to be American and just kept slipping back into British. Because he is British I think in real life. He, yeah, he is British in real life. I don't know. I think he also might be Russian. It, the, the accent, it was... It was a little distracting at first, but then after a while, once shit started happening, because after a while, he doesn't really talk much. He kind of just grunts and is, like, angry (laughs) because he's fucking Emil Blonsky, so it's fine. But, like, yeah, it was distracting for the first, like, few minutes with him. I'm like, okay, what are you trying- what are you supposed to be? (laughs) What accent are you doing? (laughs) Though, if you don't know Tim Roth, Tim Roth has been in a ton of million things. He was in Pulp. Uh, four rooms is coming to my head. He he's one of those actors who you've seen in ten billion things. He's an awesome actor. Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> That's what I was trying to think of. I'm like, wait, he was another Tarantino. <laughs> what the fuck? So, yes, Emil Blonsky's being sent with the special teams to go capture Bruce Banner. Uh, yes, and then they they all get there, and there's this chase scene that's pretty good. I was in it. I was in it to win it. Yeah, it's 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 a fine chase scene. It's okay, you know. And finally, he runs into those hoodlums from before. Ah. <laughs> and he's like, "Stop, stop! You won't like me when I'm hungry." Uh, he's trying to learn Portuguese, and he gets it wrong. But then he's like, "No, no, no! I'm it, things get really bad when I get angry." And the 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 hoodlum guy's like, "Oh, you think you're bad when you're angry?" Oh. And then, you know, th- things get crazy. His eyes go green, like neon green, which they didn't continue in, like, Avengers, I don't think. They didn't have him have his eyes go green. Well, I Did they? I don't think they ever focus on his face. Once Avengers happens, he can kind of control it. That's why... Right. So we never see, like, him accidentally turn into the Hulk, really, anymore. You know what the problem is with... Edward Norton in this role and like we've talked about Edward Norton before I mean he's been in Fight Club he was in Moonrise Kingdom which was a Wes Anderson movie that we talked about fairly recently so like I don't I don't think he's a bad actor or anything obviously but like I just don't I don't I don't know I don't know he has to have like the exact right role for him to make it work the thing is, I can see him having a temper because I've seen the temper in Primal Fear. I don't think he gets the mild-mannered, bookish... Yeah, that, I, yes. There isn't the extreme flip. Right, that's really what it is. I, I think you're absolutely right. Because he just comes off as very arrogant and like kind of like Iron Man, but if he was supposed to be like a bookish scientist nerd guy. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, he's trying to have that swagger that, like, he shouldn't necessarily have as Bruce Banner. No. And that's why maybe the flip for when he transitions into the Hulk doesn't work as well. Because with Ruffalo's Hulk, I mean, he he's not, like, meek or anything either, but he at least seems more, like, Bookish. subdued. Yeah. 
but now that we're on the subject of Edward Norton in this role, might as well get to the the real tea of the situation, the hot tea, the hot goss. So obviously, as we all know, after this movie, Mark Ruffalo replaced Edward Norton in all preceding MCU films as the Hulk. And the reason was because Norton was fired allegedly because he was not a quote-unquote team player. Um, He was constantly rewriting the script, as we kind of mentioned before, and it was rubbing people the wrong way, and he was just generally difficult to work with, which is kind of what got his reputation, I feel like, in Hollywood now as being kind of an asshole that no one really wants to work with. Marvel apparently released a statement at the time saying it wasn't about money, But there were also a lot of rumors swirling around regarding that as well. I remember hearing something regarding that like he wanted to be paid more than Sam Jackson and RDJ. And they were like, no. (laughs) And Edward Norton's like, but I'm Edward Norton. And they're like, no. (laughs) Your movie grossed the least. (laughs) We're not paying you more than RDJ and Sam Jackson. Well, the other thing is they were also saying because... As the Hulk, he's not on screen because it's just a CGI monster. I didn't even think about that because that's true. Because now, especially, Bruce is the Hulk. Like, they're, you know, they're complete, like, one. It's like you don't think about that. But yeah, at the time, Bruce and the Hulk were very separate characters. Well, also, I don't think at the time, now they do it, but I think at the time when this Hulk comes out, this Hulk's face doesn't look like Edward Norton. I think they tried to, like, kind of make it look like him. It doesn't... It's not quite right. It's not as Ruffalo's clear. Ruffalo's is him. Right, yeah. I mean, I think that's just a technical thing. Like, the CGI in this, we were talking about it last night when we rewatched the movie. It wasn't bad. Like, it, you know, it's it's obviously not as good as it is now, particularly with the Hulk. But I don't think the CGI is bad in this as far as that. No, like it's, the Hulk. It, it's not bad. It's It's okay. The only time I really was annoyed by the CGI was at the end, the last fight scene between him and, you know, the the other Hulkish type character that we're going to get to later. Because it was just too much. It was like, oh, my God, too much going on. Yeah. And it was like, OK, um, my head hurts. <laughs> very true. I understand Norton is a talented actor. I actually do think he's very talented. I think he is, too. I mean, I loved Fight Club, but I feel like that works better in Fight Club because his character in Fight Club is a fucking asshole. <laughs> he is an asshole, but I think I think he has to be second banana. I think generally speaking, because yes. In the movies like Moonrise Kingdom. Right, he, he was he, kind of a secondary character and he did really well. He's a secondary character. Fight Club. He's clearly the secondary character to Brad Pitt, even though he's No, the, what are you talking about? He's the main character. He's the narrator, yes. But He's what, the main character. But who's the character everyone is attracted to? But he's the main character. He is the main character. Correct. But everybody. Thank you, Frankie. You're right. He but is everybody the main is attracted to Brad Pitt. Well, that's the whole point. I mean, if you exactly. put fucking, if you put Edward Norton on a plate and you put Brad Pitt on a plate, obviously you're gonna want to fuck Brad Pitt. Okay, no one's saying that isn't true. I'm sure that Edward Norton, as arrogant as he is, would say that too. But what I'm saying is that the narrator, aka Edward Norton, in Fight Club is technically the main character, and Brad oh. Pitt would be secondary to. 
to him because he's, he's the fuck. Spoiler alert for fucking Fight Club. Brad Pitt is the fucking imaginary character. Yes, I, I get it. To him in his brain. So Edward Norton is, by definition, the main character. He is, but his role is not the scene stealing role. Tyler Durden is the scene stealing role. I disagree. Role. I disagree. If anything, they're both co-leads, and they're both they both have scene stealing shit in the movie. But yeah, I love how this has now turned into a Fight Club fight. Uh, <laughs> a Fight Club fight. Uh, <laughs> fight Club. Fight Club. We don't anyway. talk about Fight Club. Um, fight Club. Fight Club. <laughs> but yeah, I think he has to be like, if not co-lead, secondary banana. Yeah, that's fair. There needs because to be someone be, else. Right, right. I'm I'm on board with you there. Here's another thing that I don't like about the movie, this movie that we're talking about now. I know we've talked about several other movies <laughs> that since we've started this fucking episode. But the movie that we're currently talking about, here's something I don't like about it. I don't like how they handled Blonsky's character because I feel like they started off with him okay and they tried to like establish him as this like i'm a fighter sir because at one point general ross is like oh you should be a fucking corporal by now or some shit and he's like oh no sir i'm a fighter i'll be a fighter till the day i die and it's like okay we get you cool but like they were i felt like they were trying to be subtle in the beginning just like slowly build his character and then he sees the hulk one time <laughs> in the shadows looks him in the eye he basically imprints on the hulk like you know how in twilight where taylor yeah. lautner imprints on an infant and that's not weird but no not weird <laughs> but he like emil blonsky basically imprints on the hulk as soon as he sees him and he's like infatuated with him and like i want his power muscles it's like oh my god and then he literally turns into a cartoon for the remainder of the film like the progression is strong and it's hard and it's fast. Yeah, baby, yeah! But um, the point is they, they finish off the chase scene. Hulk gets away. Yeah, this is our first look at the actual Hulk. And again, he doesn't look bad. He's fine. He definitely kills three people here. Definitely at least kills Oh, yeah, three. he kills like... I think the army shoots one of the thugs and then he kills the other two and then he kills like multiple other people probably on his way out. But, uh, of course, you know, Blonsky's alive because, you know, he's he's our main villain, pretty much. So <laughs> he basically tells General Ross, he's like, listen, uh, I don't know what this whole thing is, but whatever, whatever's going on, whenever you go after this guy next, I want in because I'm a soldier. You know, that whole thing. Well, that's the other thing. <laughs> he goes, what the fuck was that? We should have been prepared for that. Oh, my God. And we're like... Yeah, you should have been. Why are you sending people in blind? Because General Ross is a fucking asshole. He's an idiot. He's an idiot and an asshole. He's an idiot soul. An idiot soul, I, I tell like you. Put on the shirt. Okay. So he's an idiot soul because Blonsky was absolutely right. He's like, um, you know, we should have been prepared going in there that this fucking guy can literally turn into a fucking Hulk monster that can, like, kill everyone with a flick of his finger. Like, maybe we should have been properly informed that that was a thing. Why wouldn't you tell them that? And then literally Blonsky says to General Ross, 
I have a right to know what's going on. And he's like, no, you don't. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> you send these people basically to die by this fucking monster's hand. Mind you, we get confirmation later that this guy was his daughter's longtime boyfriend. Like, they didn't, you know, they weren't just, like, flirting or anything. You know, they weren't peppering it up and tonying it up. They were a long-standing relationship for many years. And your first instinct is to imprison him and, like, dissect him, basically. And, like, because that's basically what comes out later. They wanted to take Bruce into custody, dissect him, pick him apart, find out what happened to him, and use the gamma radiation doohickey that happened to him as a weapon that the army can use against whatever the fuck they want really so that's why bruce left and it's like that's your first instinct when your daughter's longtime boyfriend who she clearly loves is sick i mean if you want to be that's a nice way to put it he's sick so that's that's what you're gonna do okay no, that's you're other, a good dad <laughs> that's the other thing i think that marvel was scared of with the hulk is the hulk should be initially if when you do this movie right you should portray him as a monster bruce cannot control it right that's why if you did it right the first time you would have had the hulk be kind of the villain like you needed that whole storyline with blonsky to kind of disappear you needed more of him losing control and him waking up and remembering stuff like, oh my god, I killed ten people. Or, right. oh my god, I killed these random people. Well, I don't think, I guess they just didn't want to make him a villain. They didn't want to venom this thing. Well, they didn't it, want to make him like an anti-hero. Well, the Hulk is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah, I get that. I, I get what you're saying. Like, you can eventually, when he does learn control, that's a big thing for him. Right. Well, that's why I do like that they did that in this movie. Because there are points that they do touch on that that he he just wants to get rid of it eventually he does reunite with betty and she's helping him and she sees him as the hulk and she kind of realizes that like the hulk doesn't react badly to her because deep down the hulk knows who she is so there's part of bruce in the hulk and she tries to tell him that and he like really kind of rebuffs her at first he's like no like that that's not me like i'm me and that's the hulk and she's like i don't know about that uh, you know, maybe if you learn to control it, da da da. da. And he's like, I don't want to control it. I want it out. <laughs> well, see, that's the one thing about Ang Lee's version that I do remember very clearly is the mirror scene, where the Hulk and Bruce Banner are two like separate entities sharing this body, and the fucking Hulk bursts through the reflection to grab Bruce. Here, they they kind of get rid of the dual personality and just have it be just like kind of a genetic mutation which i don't think is a bad way to go with it i think either can be compelling in its own way but i think they just went this way in order to give bruce the character some arc some hill he has to climb because eventually he's gonna he's not getting rid of the radiation so if you keep the hulk as a separate character then he's not gonna have anywhere to go if you have the hulk be a for lack of a better way to put it, a personality mutation, as you put it, that he has to kind of conquer, then he has somewhere to go. Because at the end of this movie, that's basically where he's at. He's finally kind of accepted that, like, the Hulk is a part of him and it's not going anywhere. So he has to kind of learn to control it. That's where he's at at the end of the movie. And you know what else is kind of funny now that you said that? There are really no 
Easter egg references that I really picked up on from this movie. Except for, of course, the end. Oh, right. The end then. Yeah. Yeah. But that there's no other real references. Well, that... there's the fact that Lou Ferrigno's in the movie and the fact that Stan Lee's in the movie and the fact that they keep trying to put Edward Norton in purple pants. Does any of that count as no, Easter eggs? Well, no, but well, yes, those count. But I mean, like, recently when we watched Iron Man, the Ten Rings thing in the background. Right. No, I get what you're saying. There, there's none of that. Well, there is one kind of Easter egg in in the form of a character, which we'll get to later. Which I actually had to do research to realize that he was like an actual character in the comics, but we'll we'll, we'll get to that. So after this first like big chase scene, Bruce gets away and he ends up escaping to eventually make his way back to the States. And he goes to Culver University where he used to work and teach, I'm guessing. And Betty Ross is there as well, along with her new boyfriend, (laughs) Leonard, played by Ty Burrell, who uh, was, in case you don't know, he was Phil Dunphy in Modern Family. I feel like that's what he's most known for. And it's very funny because they're like are very, you know, obviously like uh, creeper kind of scenes almost like I always feel like. Somebody's watching me. That kind of thing where he's like creeping behind a tree, just watching her with her new boyfriend. And he's like, <sighs> sigh. But um, yeah, he basically goes back to Culver University and he sneaks past a security guard who, as we mentioned, was played by Lou Ferrigno, who played the Hulk in the old TV show in the 70s and 80s. I have to admit, the man still looks pretty damn good. Yeah, he looked good in the movie. Very buff still. Well, he, yeah, he's still ripped out of his mind. Killing it. But yeah, he gets up to like some computer lab. He hacks the planet and he gets into the system and he tries to find all the data from his experiment gone wrong that caused his radiation poisoning and he can't find anything. He's like, what the fuck? And just so happens that night, fucking Betty, played by Liv Tyler, who once again whisper talks every fucking line in this movie. (laughs) She catches a glimpse of him, like just the tone of her voice after a while is like, can you just talk like at normal volume? (laughs) Stop with the baby talk already. But anyway, the next scene is actually I thought it was sweet, despite the fact that I don't love them in the movie. Like, I do think they have chemistry. Yeah, they're not bad together. She is driving in the rain, of course, because, you know, this is the romantical part of the movie. So it has to be pouring rain when she tracks Bruce down on the side of the road. He turns around very dramatically and they she gets out of the car and they run into each other's arms, give each other a big embrace. Now, better romantic rain scene. This or Spider-Man where uh, he kisses Kirsten Where he kisses her upside down? Um, Spider-Man. What the fuck kind of question? I thought you were going to ask me better chemistry. Norton, Hulk, and Liv Tyler, or Pepper and Tony. Okay, what about that one? Answer that question. I mean, I'm just speaking on the chemistry between them and Iron Man. No other movies, because it's not really fair. They have more movies together, Pep and Tony. Pepper and Tony in the first Iron Man, and Norton and Liv Tyler in The Incredible Hulk. I gotta be honest, I felt more chemistry with Norton and Tyler. Interesting. Interesting. And, like, again, I don't love them in the roles in general, but I liked them the best when they were together. Like, maybe in another movie they could have worked. Maybe. So, 
Bruce goes home with Betty and she tells him that she got all the data off the computers and off the system before the army could get to it. So he's got the data that he could send to Mr. Blue to help him find a cure, blah, blah, blah. So Norton is like, okay, I have to run away again because, you know, the the army's going to get cash on to me and they're going to be here. You know, I can't let that happen. I got to be on my own, a lone wolf, you know. And you just have this very cliched scene where... <laughs> they're laying in separate beds. <laughs> in separate rooms. Staring at the ceiling. And they're like very clearly like, you know, daydreaming about each other and like just wanting to like get up and go into the other room and bang. But they don't because huh, we are forlorn during all of the stuff we had just brought up blonsky does get treated to become a super soldier oh my god yeah i totally forgot okay so ross explains to blonsky that the experiment that went wrong with bruce had something to do with them testing out a super soldier type serum to use for the military's purpose and it went wrong and he got poisoning or whatever blah 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 but they have worked on other formulas since then. One in particular was technically a failure, but it was very promising, quote unquote. So Blonsky's like, hey, you know, if you want, like, I'll try a small dosage of that. And maybe, you know, I can kind of be on even playing field with the Green Hulk man. You know, huh? Huh? I want to be strong. And it's like, okay. (laughs) But the scene was funny to me because it literally looks like, I don't know if this is going to come across in the way I vocally describe it. But you know, like those uh, like outdoor lawn chairs type things with like the plastic like straps on the back of the chair. The ones in every pool. In, like- yes, like like the pool type chairs, like the plastic pool type chairs. It literally looks like the prop department splayed out two of those chairs, like strapped them together with white masking tape. And that was like the gurney that fucking Blonsky was on. And they kept flipping him over and like stabbing him with needles and shit. And it was like, okay, like, uh, this looks, it looks stupid. And, like, I feel bad because, like, they're they're trying here. Blonsky's really giving it his all. <laughs> but, like, no. But Betty and Bruce are going to get Bruce on the bus. But the army's there. <gasps> the army shows up. Oh, no. And this is the one fight scene in the movie that I thought was, like, genuinely really good. He's running through the school. He gets cornered. And suddenly he looks down because he's in like this glass hallway. And he sees the army tackling Betty to the ground because she's trying to run after him. They tackle her to the ground and he gets fucking pissed and his eyes go green. She does break somebody's nose though. I Good. Give her some credit. I This this was like the only... I mean, no. I didn't like her in the scene either actually. No. Because... <laughs> She fucking stands in front of a tank like fucking Tiananmen Square. <laughs> like, this is not that serious, sweetheart. She stands in front of the tank and screeches for her father, General Ross. But it's like, so, it doesn't come off like an impassioned plea. It comes off like a six-year-old. Daddy! Yeah, it literally comes off like a six-year-old having a tantrum because, like, her daddy stole her Barbie or something. He's like telling her to stay back, blah, blah, blah. Like, you don't understand. And then he sees Bruce about to turn into the Hulk. And he's like, oh, now she'll see. And I'm thinking like, what do you mean now she'll see? She's seen him already. 
But I don't know if she's seen him as the Hulk. Yes, yeah, she saw that was the first. She saw him the first time when he like. But you don't know that she saw it because she was clearly hurt, so she might have been knocked out and didn't doesn't remember or didn't see him turn into the. It doesn't really matter if she had never seen it before and she sees him turn into the. What do you think she's gonna think? Like, oh no, this monster! Like, no, she's gonna think, oh my god, my boyfriend who I love for years is like in this horrible situation. But also, again. This works better if you show the Hulk being unable to be controlled and being monstrous. That line works. But because the Hulk has just basically tried to protect himself. Right. Well, in General Ross's mind, though, that's not what's happening. In General Ross's mind, he's just a monster and, like... He's willing to have his daughter fucking potentially killed to do it because not for nothing. She is literally in the middle of this like w- mini war zone at fucking Culver University. And like no one, you hear no one, including her own father, be like, get her out of there. Like, no, do you not see the bogey? There's a bogey. <laughs> There's a female bogey <laughs> right there. And you're just leaving her there. And then at one point, because obviously Bruce is fighting everybody, pew, pew, pew. Pew. Bang, bang, bang. Blotsky is like, ah, come here, big fella. And he beats his fucking ass, breaks like every fucking bone in his fucking body. Oh, no. <laughs> and then. Oh, God. This, actually, there's some good scenes here. This, the sound scene was pretty cool. They like. Shoot, oh, yeah, that was cool. They shoot sound waves, which kind of slow the Hulk down. But he's yeah. already kind of grabbed like two like parts of tanks that he uses as shield yeah that was kind of cool and then he hears betty screaming for him and he's able he like gets the strength to get up and like shield himself from the sound and bounces it back and breaks the fuck it that was kind of cool but yeah like I, I really enjoyed the scene but the scene basically ends with some might arguably say the biggest asshole moment of general ross and there are plenty his daughter approaches bruce the hulk you know and she's like oh, bruce Literally like that because she, again, baby talks every fucking line. And she's standing in front of Bruce. And I guess Ross is looking at Bruce from the back. So she he doesn't see her standing there. But if you had a brain in your fucking head, um, she was here a minute ago. Where is she? Like, you don't fucking care. You're horrible. But anyway, he says open fire on Bruce, which is like, why? Because you already know... He's basically bulletproof. He's bulletproof. So why are we shooting at him? Okay, whatever. They start shooting like crazy. Then he realizes Liv Tyler's standing there. So he's like, stop firing. And it's like, too late, asshole. And then there's a big explosion. As the explosion is coming towards Hulk and Betty, Hulk covers Betty and basically saves her life and then carries her off into the dust and the fog unconscious. And Ross looks at him like, oh, fuck, what did I just do? And it's like, you almost killed your daughter, you dumb fuck. So now Hulk turns back into Bruce. Betty and him are on the run. There are some fun moments in here where, like, they again try to give Edward Norton purple stretchy pants to wear because, you know, the 70s show, which is kind of funny. She gives him a watch that's like a heart monitor to like make sure his heart rate stays cool. And uh, she cuts his hair for him. And then they have like a really flirty moment. And then his heart rate goes up because, you know, things are getting frisky. And he's like, oh, I can't get too excited. And Liv Tyler's like, you can't get excited at all? (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) Blue balls. We do find out that he and Betty go to see Mr. Blue, who 
turns out to be a professor at another college. Yes, and his name is Samuel Stearns. Now, this is what I was alluding to before when I said that there is a Easter egg kind of leading to another character in the comics. Apparently, Samuel Stearns in the comics is a pretty big and big-headed supervillain named The Leader. Oh, okay. I think I remember The Leader. And it makes sense because, spoiler alert, the last scene we see of Sam... The last scene we see of Samuel Stearns, that's a fucking tongue twister, is him on the floor and his head is growing very large and bulbous, just like the character in the comics. Ah. But yeah, he's basically, he's a a scientist as well and he is way too excited about all of this shit. He's talking like they're all going to fucking Disneyland and fucking Bruce and Betty are like, this guy is crazy. (laughs) Like, what dude, the shit? this isn't good. This is my life. Like, can we just calm down? They do end up, they think, maybe curing the Hulk sickness. He's like, listen, I I think I formulated an antidote, but I don't know whether it's going to cure all of the Hulkness inside of you or if it's just going to... Repress the repress, one time. Yeah, like the one transformation. I don't know, but we'll find the fuck out. <laughs> Samuel Stern straps... I keep doing S alliteration. Samuel Stern straps Bruce to the table with like just regular old leather straps. Ooh, how kinky. Yeah, baby. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you're in there strong, kid. Don't worry about it. And Bruce is like, no, I'm fucking not. But okay. (laughs) You fucking idiot. You don't even know. And um, they basically induce a transformation. And it does work. But there's like a little fumbling with the antidote because Samuel Stern's is a dummy and uh Liv Tyler basically has to climb on top of the Hulk and try to like calm him down so he doesn't go full Hulk yeah she does mount him again how kinky yeah baby yeah gets on top of him calms him the fuck down until Stearns can give Bruce the antidote and then the thing reverses and he turns back into Bruce and Liv's like you're okay (laughs) everything's fine (laughs) you're good and while all this is going on Blonsky's getting another treatment. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, because, again, all the bones in his fucking body were broken. I think the doctor in the scene literally said they're, like, gravel in his bones. And yet, within, like, two scenes, like, one scene his bones are all broken. Two scenes later, we cut back to him and he's fine. So, it's like, oh. Oh, that super soldier shit really works, huh? Cap, baby. Uh Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, he's, like, ready and raring to go. But he gets a another dose to make him even stronger, but he becomes kind of druggy with it. Yeah, he literally turns into, like, a crackhead. <laughs> That's the other thing about Ross. Ross, before he gave Blonsky the first treatment, he goes, if you start getting strung out on this stuff, we got to take you off the mission and, like, put you, like, somewhere so you calm the fuck down. And then immediately doesn't do that. Yeah, because, yeah. Ugh. They're arguing, the three of them. It's it's uh, Liv Tyler, Edward Norton, and Samuel Stearns, right? And they're all arguing. And they're like, because he apparently, Stearns, he took Ed Norton's blood, his sample of his blood, and just made like a whole bunch of copies of it and like made just vials and vials of Bruce blood to potentially use to like evolve the human race with Hulk well, shit. And it's like, the, whoa. Well, his whole plan, no, no, no. His whole plan was like kind of to use it to cure disease. Right, but no, but he's talking about like human, like think of what we can do. Bruce is like, no, like we're going to burn this place to the ground. (laughs) 
Where is this all you have? We're burning it all. Burn it down. And as they're arguing about this, a sniper comes in through the window and shoots Bruce with a tranquilizer. You know, takes Betty out of there, takes down Samuel Stearns and Blonsky comes in. He's like, show me the Hulk. And then just smacks him with the butt of his gun. Yeah. And at that point, because even even before they went, if you were like, you know what? He he can do this. He's fine. He can handle this thing. He's just a good soldier, you know. But then at that point, when he's like climbing the stairwell, not the stairs, the stairwell to get up <laughs> into the room where fucking Bruce is at. And he like attacks him physically. He's like, show me the Hulk shaking him and shit while he's tranked. So like, obviously that's not happening, sir. And then knocks him out with the butt of his gun. It's like, okay, you're a little overzealous. I think we're going to just take you and put you in a padded room for a while and chill you the fuck out. But no. Ross literally just takes Bruce and Liv Tyler and puts them on a helicopter and flies the fuck away and leaves Blonsky to just fuck around and like I think kill another fucking army person. Well he knocks her out. Blonsky literally grabs Stearns by the neck just like give me the Hulk shit and he's like I don't know if that's a good idea. Give me the Hulk shit. Okay okay. It can lead to an <laughs> abomination. <sighs> and he's like I don't give a fuck. I want to be like the Hulk. I want to be bigger, better, stronger. And it's like, okay. <laughs> and then lo and behold, he turns into the secondary CGI shit show, Abomination. <laughs> oh, boy. Which is, as Scott kept alluding to. The only other character who shows up anymore because he pops up in Shang-Chi. And he is going to be in the She-Hulk show also. So it should be interesting. But uh, yes, the Abomination. It's a cool look. With, like, the ribs kind of, like, pronounced. It's basically a grosser version of the Hulk with dinosaur spikes on his back. Yeah. As he's leaving the lab, Abomination basically smacks Stearns around, knocks him into another bunch of Hulk blood somehow, and then his face starts bubbling and changing. Yes. As they're flying away, suddenly... The army calls and goes, the Hulk's down here. And, you go, and Ross is like, no, bitch, I'm up here. <laughs> what do you mean the Hulk's down there? The Hulk's up here. Ross being the fucking idiot he is. He's like, oh, yeah, bring more army guys down here. And it's like, haven't you killed enough people for a lifetime, sir? Like, can you just stop this? And Bruce is like, listen, let me out of this fucking helicopter and I'll take care of this. And Betty's like, whoa, whoa, wait, you don't even know if you can be the Hulk anymore. He might have just cured you. Like, you don't know if you can be the Hulk anymore. You're just going to jump out of a fucking helicopter. And, <laughs> and he's, he's like, like, I have to try, Betty. And that's what he does. He drops out of the helicopter. Gives her a little kiss and then woo. And then he looks up and you're like, he opens his eyes and you think they're going to be green. They're not. And nope. he goes, <laughs> He's like, oh, oh shit. Boom. And crashes and you're like, oh, that uh, the credits. Imagine <laughs> just credits. <laughs> no, but of course he crashes into the pavement and then pops up as the Hulk and they start fighting. And that's when I kind of like tuned out a little bit because i was just like oh that cgi yeah. computer guy is fighting the other cgi computer guy how fun oh look one of the cgi computer guys spoke in a british accent <laughs> yeah it's kind of like it's just a fucking mess betty and the general get into the mix a little bit oh and of course he said uh fucking bruce as the hulk says the famous line hulk which like why 
<laughs> it doesn't fit with the tone of the movie at all because the idea of him being like Hulk smash it, <laughs> it is very cartoony and silly and it, it ends up basically the Hulk ends up choking out fucking Abomination at the end throws Abomination at Ross's feet and basically he's like fuck you motherfucker and bounces off and then cut to like a month later and he's in British Columbia running through the fields and shit. Uh, and he's sitting there meditating in his, his house and it has like days since instant 62 or whatever and then suddenly it starts counting down really fast. Zero and his eyes turn his green. His eyes turn green. Because he, yeah, it's and implying because he's sitting there meditating implying that he can control kind of the... The transformations now yeah so that part was cool i like they kind of had somewhat of an arc in that regard for bruce so then we get the last scene in the movie yeah because they didn't do an end credit scene they just did an end scene which is ross drinking his troubles away reload reload because he's a, he's a general so that's how he talks every time he wants another drink he slams down the glass and says reload reload he's, me he's so he's so badass and who walks in but Tony motherfucking Stark. Yay! And he's like, I told you that super soldier stuff was uh on ice for a good reason. But I have good news for you. We're forming a team. We're putting a team together. <laughs> and that's the end. And that is the Hulk. Yeah, so I gave it a two and a half as opposed to what I had at it before, which was a two because I think I was able to appreciate more stuff in this that was decent the second time around. But I still don't think it's good. <laughs> I have this a three, but it's kind of like a 2.75. Yeah, that's fair. There's stuff I enjoy. I actually, Edward Norton's fine. He's not the best casting. Liv Tyler's whatever, kind of. The fights are cool when they happen one fight is okay one fight is really good and then one fight is like boring and annoying and long yeah so it's fine like tim roth's good i enjoy him for what he is it's kind of like just all over the place really and i think it's because this is the second marvel movie in the mcu so it's whatever it is it's, it's so that's that that's that that's the hulk but Next week is a very exciting time for me. Oh, yes. It's Frankie's takeover now. Yes. This is my takeover month. The month of February. The month of love. So while Scott showed us three movies that were adapted from video games, I will be showing you three movies adapted from literature. That's right, books. For I am a bookworm. And luckily for all of you, there are actually movies adapted from books that are good. But until then, this has been Shoot the Flick, and I am Frankie Sparks. And I am Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check out our Twitter and Instagram at Shoot the Flick, and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our Reading Rainbow Magic School Bus <laughs> Movie Adventure. You won't like me when I'm hungry. Oh, no. <laughs>